BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about Oh my god, you guys. You ever just in a fucking mood? I'm in a fucking mood. And I know you're hearing this on Wednesday, September 8th, but I'm recording this on Friday, September 3rd. The Friday before the holiday weekend. Have a good weekend. It's already the weekend if you're on the East Coast. Here on the West Coast, it's 3.30 p.m. I guess people are knocking off early. I bet the traffic is a fucking shit show. Thank you, God, that my job involves me going from my living room to my office, which is in my home. (sighs) Guys, I am pissy McGissy today. I was just telling my Patreon subscribers all about it. I look adorable. I mean, don't get me wrong. My makeup is on fucking point. And, um... My haircut that I had to get fixed is cute. Maybe we'll talk about the fix. I'm wearing my favorite t-shirt that is like wearing out. It says Giselle, Heidi, Kate, Naomi, Naomi, Kate. You know, the name of the supermodels. And uh, but anyway, I was just telling my Patreon subscribers, I'm just in a fucking mood. So if you want to watch that, it's a half hour video. I talk about my fake assistant that I have named Tyler. And why, and why I have him. I think you will love it. Go to uh, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. I'll put a link in the show notes. And if you just join up at the $5 level, you get uh, every week's episode as, as a bonus. I mean, every week's episode is the video episode, but every video episode has bonus content. I, it's usually a half hour longer than this podcast. And uh, yeah, at the top of the hour, I just tell stories and then I put the headphones on, hit record and bring you guys on in. So Go do that for me, please. I truly mean it when I say this is my only job. (laughs) So there you go. Um, No fun. The Jen Kirkman podcast episode 4 
1004. Here we are. Wow, everybody. I'm Jen Kirkman. I'm your host. I'm a comedian. I do have two specials on Netflix. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine and just keep living. You may stream them anytime and enjoy them. I'm also the author of two books. The link for my comedy albums, my books will all be in the show notes. And the reason I mention it is if you're new to the podcast, this isn't edited like a book. No spell check. This isn't perfected like a comedy special where I've gone on the road for a year and said the same jokes over and over. Oh, this is me really talking off the top of my head, just being real, just being honest, you know, not necessarily laugh for a minute, not not going for punchlines here. If it's funny, that's great. But it's it's my favorite thing to do. I, I love doing this podcast. Now, in general, I'm lazy. And do I like working in general? God, no. But uh, I love turning on the mic and just chatting. It is a solo podcast. I do not have guests. Every once in a while, there will be a special episode where there's a guest for a reason. I do have an episode coming up at the end of October where I'm interviewing my friends from the Deck the Hallmark podcast. There are three guys that watch every single Hallmark movie, not just the Christmas ones, and talk about it on their podcast. And they have a book coming out and I love them. And I I wanted to interview them about everything. So that will be... Um, I think, ironically, the episode that comes out right before Halloween. So, But but uh, this is just a solo podcast where I talk to you about what's going on in my life, sometimes in the world, and always what's going on in my head. I'm part of the Misfit Toys Comedy Network, started by the great Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap of the Never Not Funny podcast, my good friends over there. So yeah, as you may have heard, the tickets went on sale for my shows in Brooklyn. Now, for the Patreon subscribers watching this, you're going, what? Don't forget, kids, I'm talking to people who are hearing this on Wednesday, September 8th, and that's the day the tickets go on sale. And there's going to be an ad at the top of the episode for the people getting it on their favorite podcast app. So you video people can ignore what I'm saying right now. But the tickets have gone on sale for Brooklyn. And I'm I'm torn. You know, when I decided to do these five shows and make this album, it was... Uh, pre-Delta variant, but post-vaccine, you know, that sweet spot where I thought, well, fuck, you know, I do want to get on stage again as a headliner. I really only want to perform in Brooklyn, my favorite place. I'll probably be in Brooklyn in the winter for a job. And if I'm not, I'll at the very least be at my sister's house in Massachusetts and I'll uh, hop on into Brooklyn for these shows. But, you know, I didn't realize that uh, Delta would be so contagious. I didn't realize there'd be breakthrough cases. I didn't realize as many people in this country would be anti-vax. So I don't know what's going to happen. You know, Um, if the shows were today, I wouldn't want to do them, even though being vaccinated protects you against dying. I still wouldn't want to gather a hundred people in a room. I'd probably make y'all wear masks because I don't want a hundred people breathing at me. What if someone has it, even if they're vaccinated? So, you know, hopefully by December, I don't know. I don't know how different things will be. So there's a little bit of a damper on that announcement for me. And I certainly don't want to be like a Joe Rogan having super spreader events like he just did in Florida where he got COVID, which I won't be talking about that today. I already talked about it on my bonus half-hour Patreon audio-only episode. Uh, I'll put a link to the show notes if you want to 
hear it, but that was for my Patreon subscribers only. See, a lot of fun stuff's going on on Patreon. But anyway, so I, you know, I just feel a little bit, I got to promote the shit out of it because you got to promote. I got five shows to sell, you know, but I don't know. I, I can assure you that if it needs to be canceled for any reason or rescheduled, you know, you'll get a refund, you'll get your money back. But at the same time, if the shows don't sell out in advance, it's going to be a complete humiliation and panic for me, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I don't know. I mean, every other comedian seems to be on the road. That doesn't make it right. But I, I, in other words, I don't see a giant backlash from the public where people are like, I can't believe you're doing this. You know, uh, they'll probably say it to me, though, because that's that seems to be my fan base. Uh, anyway, what are we going to talk about? I'm working all Labor Day weekend. What about you guys? I've got to prep interviews and do some uh, recording for my other podcast, Anxiety Bites, which I'm so excited about. And that premieres on October 6th, but we're banking a lot of episodes before then. So I don't know. I'm working Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, like morning, noon, and night, folks. Morning, noon, and night. I'm not doing anything social. No barbecues. Well, I don't want to go to a barbecue anyway, but, uh, you know, which is fine. I'm doing some socializing next week during the week. So I'm actually, I kind of like to certain holidays like this where everybody's just away for three days. And I know that nobody's going to contact me and go, oh, you have a last minute audition. You have to learn 50 lines by tomorrow. Or, oh, uh, we're quick, I need a Zoom meeting about this script. Or, hey, do you want to do this or that? I don't have to do anything except the work that I have to do, but it's not going to get interrupted. And I kind of like that. I feel like I'm getting things done without the buzz of the world going on around me. Does that make sense? And uh, some of my closest friends are away, either on a vacation or they have jobs that took them out of town. So not that I find friends asking me to socialize to be bothering me, but I don't have anyone bothering me, <laughs> you know? And I kind of just get to have a lockdown extravaganza for myself. Now I'll go to my Pilates classes and stuff. I wear a mask in those classes in case anyone's wondering. Um, we have to here in LA, but um, yeah, so it kind of feels like I'm hiding out. You know that feeling where it's like everyone's busy. So I get to make my own schedule, do my own work, wear pajamas all day. I can put something down and go back to it later, knowing that nothing else, no one else will be needing my time. Nothing's going to come up work-wise last minute kind of a good feel. I kind of enjoy working on Labor Day when everyone's gone because I well, I will never understand. I guess it's just sort of the way corporate America works. If everyone has the same vacation days, there's really not much you can do about it. But in terms of, uh, you know, so if you want to go away for three days without using your own vacation time, you got to go away Labor Day. That's when you have off. But I, the thought of going to an airport today or getting on the freeway right now or getting off of a plane on Monday or leaving a destination on mon Monday on the freeway. Oh, sounds awful. Just so many people doing the same thing. So I am grateful that I don't have to do that. Oh, you know what I just realized? I'm in a bad mood. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees? 
period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. But I need to take, I got up today and just ran out of bed. Just, I gotta be busy. I didn't want to be busy, but I was busy. I had to do some things. And I'll, I usually make myself do a gratitude list. I keep it, I keep a notebook next to my bed. So I will look at it and go, you can't, you can't take, eh, 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 don't take your legs out from under the comforter yet. You write your gratitude list. And I can do it at night or in the morning. It's just 10 things I'm grateful for. And I'm grateful for the nitty gritty. You know, if a friend texts me out of the blue, who I really care about, but I'd forgotten to write to or didn't think to write to, that could be on my gratitude list. It's not like I made a million dollars this year and that was my goal. So I'm grateful I didn't. I would certainly be grateful of that. But, you know, I keep it real simple. And what I love about a gratitude list is it's a list of facts. So when you are in a moment of self-pity or feel overwhelmed or feel like nothing works out or you don't have a good life, you know, a lot of people will instead choose to shame themselves by saying, oh, well, other people have it so much worse, you know? Oh, look at those people in a war-torn country. Oh, look at those people in the hospital. Well, other people have it worse, so I guess I shouldn't complain. Excuse me, if those people in the war-torn country or in the hospital heard that you think that they're sitting around thinking, gee, I hope everyone's thinking of how I have it worse than them. That's not what they're thinking. They want you to have it good. And they want themselves to have it good. So somebody better enjoy something around here in honor of the people who really have it so bad that there's not much they can enjoy. What you, what you think you're doing is giving yourself some perspective, right? No, no, I'm just going to give some perspective. It could be worse. I could be in the hospital. Yeah, but that's not... What does that emotion afford you? What's the reward for that emotion? Because it's still in the same vain. It still lives on the same street as shame. So in that moment, why don't you turn the semi beating yourself up and this weird notion that when you think of things in your life that are making you unhappy, that you immediately can't even, you're not even allowed to feel or process it. You immediately have to think of others And then forget how you feel. I mean, that is some, you learned that somewhere, you know, from, whether from your depression era grandparents or parents or teachers or something. I don't know. But that is, uh-uh. So that's the moment you go, it's almost like a little bit of gratitude was trying to peek through in that moment, right? Where it's like, well, at least I'm not in the hospital. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Instead of making it about how you're not allowed to feel anything because other people have it worse, why don't you... Sounds like gratitude's trying to creep in. Why don't you in that moment say, you know what? I do have some perspective that, not that it could be worse, but there, there are some things in my life that are pretty great. And, and even when I'm really upset about, you know, I don't have any information about this job situation or, you know, I'm in a breakup or my family hates me or whatever it is. I gained weight or whatever. At the same time, I bet little good things are happening too, right? So write down the little good things that are happening. And the reason for that, I, I am getting to my original point, is that you now have made a list of facts. F-A-C-T-S. Facts. 
facts that you can look at and say, oh, actually, because see, a lot of times when something is wrong, we have a breakup or family hates us. Then we pile on. And I'm a piece of shit. And I don't deserve this. And and everything's terrible. Your mind is just wide open. There's no rules in your mind. Your mind is lawless. But you look at the piece of paper you wrote stuff down on, and that is the guardrails, right? Your mind is a parking lot and everyone's doing donuts in their car. Your mind is, is, again, no rules. The piece of paper is a six-lane freeway. Here are the lanes. The exits are marked. You're going to get off here. You know, very organized. The piece of paper that says, well, I have friends who love me. Oh, I really love my wallpaper. You know, I have a healthy body and I go to ballet class every day, whatever it is. And you can look at these facts and go, see, it's not true all these terrible things I tell myself. It is true that I'm having a hard time with my family hates me, my breakup, my whatever. But these are things I can focus on and be grateful for just to improve your mood, just to get a little bit of that toxic sludge out of your bloodstream, right? It's not to go, well, then I shouldn't be upset about. No, be upset about whatever you want to be upset about. Process. But I like to make a gratitude list, not because I'm supposed to feel anything about it. I don't feel gratitude when I'm writing one. I just write one. And then I have a whole notebook full of a list of facts and almost functions as a diary because I don't write a diary and I can go back and go, oh, that's what happened that day. Oh my God, look at January 10th. I was grateful for my phone call from my friend out of the blue. I would never have remembered that. And then you just kind of look and go, oh, that's kind of a cute life. So I don't know if that helps anybody. Did I help anybody? I really was saying that to myself because I really need to, after I stop recording, I need to get into my gratitude list and do a little meditation today because I am feeling so stressed, so resentful today. Oh, I'm in resentment at bad communicators. All right, well, let's, let's get into some fun stuff. So You know, every, I, I don't even want to talk about the Texas abortion law. I really don't. I'll just say a couple things, political corner, okay? I hate when the abortion law talk becomes about abortion. Does that make sense? No, Jen, it doesn't. Okay, I'll explain what I mean. There is no world where the Supreme Court turns its back and allows this to happen where the people who are banning abortion after six weeks in Texas are going, no, 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 no. It's literally just an abortion ban, um, but we love women's health care. We want to make sure that women's ovaries and the cystic fibroids that can happen and the endometriosis and the painful periods and, you know, the women that are pregnant that are choosing to uh, have the baby, you know, um, pregnancy is a huge leading cause of death in women because it is still a dangerous thing after all this time. You know, we want to give prenatal care. We want to help poor women with prenatal care. We want to help women uh, find ways and men to have birth control, whether it's the birth control pill, which a lot of women take for health reasons. It regulates hormones. It does help with the aforementioned endometriosis, which if you let endometriosis run wild, it can sterilize you so that you can't have kids. And we help women with cancer screenings and to make sure that they don't have HPV and sexually transmitted infections. And we want to help men learn about condoms. Like 
That is never what's happening. When abortion means so much more than uh, ending a pregnancy. It's women's reproductive health care. Each woman was born with a reproductive system, whether we use it or not. I've got health issues that relate to my ovaries, my uterus, even though I've never made a baby in my uterus. I've never even been pregnant. But I got to deal with the equipment I was given. I've got health issues around it that I have an amazing health insurance that it, you know, luckily I've always been able to take care of these things. I've been able to catch uh, pre-cancer cells. I've been able to regulate my hormones with birth control. I've been able to get screenings of the fibroids that I have to make sure nothing crazy is happening. Now, that's all part of having a reproductive system. There are many places in America, such as your Planned Parenthoods and other places like it, that handle all of that. When places like this are threatened, it's women's health care that is getting destroyed. And so that is what makes me crazy, is even liberals who mean well get caught up in having a discussion about it being about abortion. It's about so much more. And obviously, it's about money, class, and race. Rich white women will always be able to get an abortion and health care. So anyway, it's just, it's disheartening. But the thing that annoys me the most, not really the most, because what I'm about to say is stupid, but I get it. It's just like The Handmaid's Tale. Which I get was a book before it was the series. But most people are posting memes on social media of The Handmaid's Tale. I don't want to see photos of Scientologist Elizabeth Moss, who is in a cult that currently abuses human rights. It is a human rights abuse business. I am not going after Scientology because they have some wacky ideas and the argument, well, all religions are crazy. That is not what I'm talking about. This is not a religion. They are tax exempt like a religion, but they are a business and you cannot be part of it without putting your life savings in it. Go listen to Leah Remini's podcast, Fair Game. She'll explain the whole thing to you. Now, I don't want to see that freak and her freak cult that she's in. I, I don't want to watch Handmaid's Tale. I don't want to look at her. I don't care. I don't support it. So I just, that annoys me, is everyone's passing around this meme, being so concerned about Texas and the women in Texas, when it's like you're watching a show that this, like, well-accepted Scientologist actress is on, and the actress herself is part of a fucking human rights abuse cult. What are you doing? Come on, everybody, smarten up, smarten up out there. That's my new um, TV show. You're like, it's like, you know how like every comedian eventually you're like, are they becoming right wing? Like, that'll be the first step for me. I'll have a show called Smarten Up Out There with Jen Kirkman. And everyone's like on board at first. But then there's like some episodes where it's like, and the kids today. And you're like, wait, where is this going? Um, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen to me, but 
smarten up with Jen Kirkman does sound like it could go there. Do you know what I mean? A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Speaking of which, I haven't spoken about this publicly, not that like people are asking me to, but I am so saddened and yet in a way not surprised what happened to my old friend dear sweet Jimmy Dore um like it's shocking to me but at the same time not shocking to me so and I, the reason I want to talk about it is because I don't want this clip to get played I don't want to like draw harassment to me this is truly just I know someone or I used to be close with someone who's now really famous and is a totally different person than the person I knew. Like, I don't know what happened. Now, I have some ideas of what happened, but I feel like they'd be kind of slanderous to say. Um, that's why I haven't talked about it. So, uh, but I will just say this, that Jimmy Dore, who is like ultra, ultra left wing to the point where it's horseshoe with the right wing, where it's like Russia was a hoax. You know, it's all that craziness. It like started with being kind of Bernie bro, but then it just goes even left of that to where it's just like, it's just like nothing. It's just, it's crazy making talk. It's like, there's really, you just don't know where he's going to go every day. I mean, I don't listen to his show or anything, but Jimmy and Todd Glass, my friend, used to have a podcast together. Uh, I don't know, early 2000s. And I would go on all the time. And, and Jimmy's wife, Steph, was on it. I remember uh, Jimmy and his wife, Steph, being the last people to leave at my New Year's party that I had one year. It was like 2004 or something, 2005. And I used to go on, and then they split off with Todd. Todd did his own podcast, but they were still friends. And, and Jimmy and his wife did a political podcast. And Jimmy was this like very working class, like literally from an Irish family of like, I think seven to 10 kids or something like that. His dad was a cop. He didn't have any money growing up, you know, and as an adult, like his wife was a teacher and Jimmy was a a road comic. I mean, they they couldn't have been less wealthy. I mean, I would even say struggling to be middle class, you know, and and Jimmy was political and was, you know, a little bit of I, I think I was the same way at the time, because, again, I did go through a phase where I thought it was interesting to but to be able to criticize your own party. I I identify as an independent, you know, just like that kind of identity crisis where, you know, now the way I look at things is what party best represents my values. And, you know, while they don't go far enough on some things uh, for me or whatever in general, I think it's a really good step for the country. Now, I don't need to, you know, everybody is kind of their own rainbow of political ideology. Well, I'm a little this, I'm a little that. You know, um, everyone wants to create a third party in their own image. And it just, it's not how it works. You just could pick the one that best represents you, you know. And 
for a while, I kind of thought, oh, well, I have this political view over here. And then that one's a little bit left. That one's a little more conservative, I think. But that one's right in the middle. And this one's very far left. And you put it all together. And it's like, that still equals Democrat. <laughs> you know, I didn't really realize that. I was like, well, I'm going to be an independent, progressive, this and that. It's... Anyway. So, and of course, right now, all I'm into is stopping fascism, which you know, I'll be yelling about more as we get closer to the 2022 election. I did just drop off my ballot in California to vote no on the recall of Governor Newsom. Governor Newsom, who I've given so much shit to during COVID, but who ultimately obviously don't want to recall. I love the way we do things in California. We all get a ballot mailed to us. You don't have to have signed up for mail in voting. You just get one and you can mail it back or within a one-mile radius of your home, there are at least three Dropbox options. God bless California. We got our shit together in some ways, some ways. So Jimmy and I kind of shared the ability to criticize our own party, but it was nothing too crazy. It wasn't saying turn against Democrats, don't vote for them. They're all corporate fucking ba 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 I mean, a little bit we'd get like that. But again, you know, I was young at least. And Jimmy's a little older than me, but I was, you know. I thought that just showed I was so intellectual by like being able to criticize things. And so I probably said the word corporate this and corporate that a lot. I probably made bad faith arguments against politicians that now I appreciate, I, you know. Um, to be honest, I wasn't really thinking about anything beyond my own nose. Like I probably thought I wasn't racist. I probably thought I wasn't all the isms, but I probably was focusing more on just how I feel about how things should be as opposed to like, well, how actually are things and how do we work to incrementally make progress the way that the people in this country who were once enslaved have had more faith in democracy than people who've had everything handed to them. You know, it's like, if you don't follow the way of what the black voters are doing in the Democratic Party, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know what you're following. Anyway, but anyway, Jimmy was so nice, you know, and he was funny. He's a comedian, you know, he like talk about stupid shit. He used to have a show at the UCB theater called Pop and Politics. It was pop culture stuff, you know, but yeah, I mean, the podcast got like sometimes criticizing Democrats. But if I said to him, hey, Jimmy, you know, I really like this Democrat, blah, blah, blah. He wouldn't be like mad about it or yell at you. It'd be like, yeah, OK, we all have different opinions. He was a he was a friend. He was a nice guy, you know. And then we lost touch. Um, just I don't know, just life happened. I think I had less free time because I was busy working on the Chelsea show. And. um, But. Something started to happen right around the, I kept listening to his podcast and he started a different one that he didn't have guests on. And it was just him and this other guy, Frank Conniff, who's amazing and hilarious and his wife and some other people. And it was really well done. It was almost like the liberal um, Bill O'Reilly in the sense that they used the same kind of like bombastic uh host things that Bill O'Reilly would do, you know, like sound effects or whatever, that, you know. Um, not that Bill O'Reilly used sound effects, but you, you understand what I'm saying. It was supposed to be follow the same kind of format as almost a drive time right wing kind of show. And he had really funny people calling in and doing impressions. It was great. And then I started to hear it take that kind of Bernie turn. And I was like, oh, he's angry now. Like he's 
now saying some disinformation about Hillary Clinton. Huh. And I was like, oh, there was a period where I was on Jimmy's show, like burning it up, babies, burning it up. This is way before Bernie ran for president. This is like when he never had the thought. It's like 11 years ago. And so, but then I started hearing things and I was like, I don't think I want to listen to Jimmy's show anymore. So I stopped listening. Then I just don't pay attention to what he's doing. And I noticed that Frank Conniff left the show. And then the 2016 election happens. And then some guys I know who are super burners, like something spun out of control. And suddenly I'm reading that Jimmy bought a million dollar home in my neighborhood, multi-million dollar home. And I'm like, Jimmy, my friend that didn't have a job from Pasadena, whose dad was a cop in Chicago. What? He doesn't have any fucking family money. He earned this money. And and I see other comedians that they're like, I ran into door at the fucking airport and he's like in first class class and we were playing the same town and I was at the comedy club and he sold out like a thousand seat theater. And I'm like, Jimmy, like not in a bad way, but Jimmy was like Jimmy was older than me. Like he was, you know, still is. But like at a certain age, if you haven't like made it big, like you are where you are. Right. And so I was like, wait, what? What happened with Jimmy? And I and I looked and I was like, oh, my God. He became like a crazy left wing, but not left wing, like all left. I don't even know what you call it. Like, oh, my God, what is happening? And it's huge. And I'm like, and I see all these people on Twitter, like he's taking money from Russia. And I'm like, I know the guy. I I mean, I haven't known him in a long time. I guess that's possible. But it just I think it's as simple as there's an audience for how uh the word isn't crazy. It's a uh, radicalized. He got, there's an audience for it. And I just am like, Oh, it's so sad. Cause I know if I ran into him at the airport, I'd be like, Hey Jimmy, I think. And I think I'd be like, I agree with nothing you say, but I treasure the years that we were friends. I think he wouldn't freak out on me, but you know, I don't know anymore. Like I know he's freaking out on mutual friends of mine on Twitter. And so I, I don't know. But it's really weird because I had another guy friend who went this way as well. And that guy friend, unlike Jimmy, this guy, I won't even say his name because I'm scared of him. This guy would harass me on Twitter, even though this guy is a millionaire and he would tell people I was rich and his fans would harass me like on the road and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not rich. I, I was, it's very weird. Anyway, so I just, I don't know why I brought that up. Um, it's just kind of on my mind where I'm like, that's just so weird to me. I, I, I really don't know what happened. Um, I could go more into it where it's like, I think that, you know, I think there was a lot of like entitlement in comedians where it's like, I didn't quote, make it in the way that I wanted to. And I want a big audience. And I think he was having back problems and like he smokes a lot of pot and whatever. I'm not saying that's like a drug problem or anything like that, but I'm just saying like, I just think there was just a lot of like pain and entitlement and it just explodes into like, fuck it. Like it's all, I'm in this for me, you know? Um, it's always very strange to see the like extreme socialist left become millionaires off of it and s- stay millionaires, you know, not giving them money away and buying houses in, in Studio City where I'm renting. If you're like, well, what do you mean? Why are you in that neighborhood? I'm renting in this neighborhood. So it's crazy. I literally don't know what my point was. Texas, Handmaid's Tale. I don't fucking know. I'm just worried, you guys. I'm just worried about the world. 
when I see fucking ding dong comedians I used to know really influencing stuff and the ones that are making sense aren't, I guess I'd include myself in that, but we're not influencing people, I mean, enough to... It scares the shit out of me. You know, there's no guarantee democracy... With, it works, but there's no guarantee it stays, you know. Um, I would not be surprised if we are in the last year of democracy and that when and if Republicans win in 2022, well, if they win, that is the end of democracy. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. I just think the disinformation is too far gone. And I wish there'd be a special committee or some kind of something where in schools, the way that we used to teach handwriting that we teach how to spot disinformation, misinformation. I I wish we could start it at kindergarten and it would be as mandatory as history, math, science, English. I really do. I think it's out of control. And at a certain point, the people speaking out against it are just speaking out to other people who already know. Um, It's going to be hard to change the minds of people already influenced by misinformation. We've got to get the minds that don't even know about it yet. And there's nothing systematically in place in this education system in the country to do that. And I don't see how we fix this without that. Because that shit grows faster and goes faster than the truth. You know that expression that lies are spreading while the truth is just getting its shoes on, you know? Anyway, I don't know. So, is this another, what was last week was depressing too. (laughs) All right, I'll tell you a funny story. So, I have a new assistant who is, uh, doesn't exist. His name is Tyler. He's a Gen Z pansexual who is obsessed with Katherine Hepburn. That is his fashion icon. He doesn't have his own Instagram account. He hates social media. He only likes old movies. Tyler is my assistant. Tyler is completely made up. He does have an email address. Tyler, I created so that he could respond to DMs from men in my Instagram. And I talked about this on the opening Patreon. So you can, you can watch that to get all the information about Tyler. But it reminded me of patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Link in the show notes. Uh, but it reminded me of <laughs> years ago, I did used to have a fake assistant. I don't know how it started, but I started doing it when I worked at Chelsea lately. I want to say my office mate, Brad Wallach, who was a writer on the show as well, uh, came up with it first or we did it together or something, but none of us had assistants and we were starting to get kind of popular from being on the show. And so when we'd go on the road, people that worked at the hotel would recognize us. And I think we all went and did a gig together one time. And when we checked into the hotel, they were like, oh, my God, we'll upgrade your room. We didn't know it was you guys from the show. And we're like, oh, OK. So I created an assistant named Jeanette, named after my deceased grandmother. Um, and Jeanette had the email address like JK assistant, you know, something. Uh, she had her own name in it. A lot of assistants have that. Like at the big agencies. You know, these assistants, they come, they go, they don't get their own email address like Tony B at, at, you know, CAA. It's like assistant to blah, blah, blah agent is the email address. 
And then like they get to put their name in the uh, who it's from field, but it's not the email address is not their name. So I had one of those accounts for Jeanette and <laughs> it was she would email. Um, I would book a room and, you know, at, at whatever hotel I was staying at to do a road gig and Jeanette would send the confirmation to, uh, I don't know, someone that worked at the hotel. I think I would call and I would say, can I have the email address for the the manager, like guest services or something? Oh, sure. Blah. So Jeanette would email and say, um, Jen Kirkman from Chelsea Lately. And, you know, not even explaining, like just, you know, oh, yes, uh, Jen Kirkman from Chelsea Lately. I don't know the fuck that is, but I'll pretend because it sounds like something. You know, well, they, they probably knew what Chelsea Lately was, even if they didn't know who I was. And Jen Kramer from Chelsea Lately is coming to town to perform at the blah, 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 blah. And she booked a room. And I know she would totally appreciate anything else you could offer her. That's all I would say. Jeanette would say, I mean. And they would write back, oh, my God, we've upgraded Jen's room. We'll have a bottle of champagne. I mean, everything always was like that. And it worked. I mean, every single city I went, I got upgraded. They would bring me a bottle of wine or champagne or they would comp my room service. I mean, it was fucking amazing. I suppose I could have asked myself, but there was something about the assistant and the way she just said, hey, anything, you know, very mafia. Hey, look, anything you can do, she appreciates. She didn't say what she wanted. So it's all up to them, you know. And it would be like, I'm sure she'll tweet about it, which I did. And then there were a few times I got to the hotel and they'd be like, Jeanette is lovely. And I'd be like, huh? Oh, right. Yeah, she's great. She's great. <laughs> or they'd be like, Jeanette, let me give you a quick call. And I'd be like, fuck, fuck. There's no Jeanette. And if they do know who I am, they're going to recognize my, you know, this is back when I had vocal troubles. I'm like, hello. <laughs> Trying to be Jeanette. Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm just a younger version of Jen, but I also have a raspy voice. Oh, man. And so at one point, I did change my outgoing uh, so I had my work phone and it would say, you've reached Jeanette, <laughs> assistant to Jen Kirkman. That would be my phone at like the e-network because I would give that number out if they needed to call. And then I think at one point someone was like, uh, hey, Jeanette, this is um Gary from Human Resources. Like they didn't know what was happening. So I realized, okay, I can't use my work phone for that. So that at a certain point I did have my cell phone would say, you've reached Jeanette. Uh, assistant to Jen Kirkman, leave a message. And, you know, my friends and family who heard it would make so much fucking fun of me. But it worked. And, you know, I'd have other people act as Jeanette on the phone or sometimes I'd be like, hi, I'm hi, this is Jeanette. No, how would I do her voice? Hi, this is Jeanette. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, she would, she would absolutely love that. So I'm just going to send you a confirmation email. Um, and then we did an episode of it on this show we had called After Lately that we wrote and it was about us. It was like a hybrid. I mean, it was scripted, but it was based on real things that we did in real life. And <laughs> we did an episode about all our fake assistants. And after that aired, we stopped doing it because we were like, now people fucking know. And it just was like, it was getting dicey. But I do enjoy having Tyler because now when people, I get emails out of the blue from people, do you want to do my podcast? I can write back as Tyler and go, hey, I'm Jen's assistant. 
you know, I'll I'll forward this to her publicist to see if she can do it. And I do actually have a publicist. She's not being paid all the time, but per project. So I don't know. I just I'm kind of excited about it now. Like I want Tyler to get to fucking work. I went to Starbucks the other day and got a coffee so that I could have a Starbucks cup. And then I just turned it around where my name was and I wrote Tyler on it and took a photo of it. And I put it in my Instagram stories and said, Tyler is my new social media assistant. Watch out, dudes. He answers the DMs. And I mean, it's my favorite thing in the world. I know there's something truly wrong with me because a lot of comedians my age do have real assistants, but I, I, I don't, I'm too cheap. I don't want to like pay all that money for one because um, I don't really need it. And I'd rather like save my money and, you know, live on it if I need to, if, if work isn't coming in or, you know, fucking buy an apartment in New York someday or something. But I don't want to be paying someone to be an assistant when it's really not something I totally need. Anyway. Email me, iSeemFun at gmail.com. No, do not offer to work for me for free. I would never let that happen. That is psychotic, and anyone willing to do it is psychotic. That's right. I called you psychotic person that was about to email me. I'll be your assistant. No, no, no. I do have people that help me with things as needed, of course. Um, like when I'm, you know, doing certain projects or need errands run, like, of course, I, of course I take care of my shit. Um... Is this episode airing on 9-11? No. But God, it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this year. <gasps> Isn't that fucking crazy? Oh, no, this episode airs the 8th. So 9-11 will happen. We won't talk about it this week. We'll talk about it on the 15th. <laughs> I'll tell my... Oh, no, I'm going to make that the $10 Patreon bonus. I'm going to talk about the one-hour story of my epic 9-11 tale, which is really a love story. Pretty fucked up. Uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Anyway. Let's read some listener emails. Jen, this is a guy who is pissed off. Jen, I'm a little conflicted about something, and when it comes to being conflicted about one's own rage, I figure you're a good person to talk to. I was diagnosed with ADHD as a high schooler and depression recently in my 30s. I've been managing them without medication, which has been difficult but doable. I appreciate the fact that some people cannot do it without meds, and I respect them for that battle. Uh, I go through phases. I'm on meds right now. And it's not a battle, really. It's just I'd rather be on meds. You know what I mean? Uh, I have a problem with people who sanctimoniously weigh in on things by starting with, quote, as someone with, if it's not someone I know personally, in the end, I just leave it alone because it's not my business to ask them how they were diagnosed. But I often see those same people defending the idea of self-diagnosis. 
Now, on one hand, I get that mental health is prohibitively expensive for many people. I feel fortunate to have had the resources to go to a therapist, three of them actually, the last one on Talkspace per your recommendation. Right. Well, I didn't recommend Talkspace, but I used to do ads for them on my podcast. In that regard, I have compassion for the idea that someone who is constantly fatigued, drained, feeling dread might think, you know what? I think I'm depressed and I need to address this, but I can't afford a therapist. But then they just have some tea with lemon. They take a hashtag self-care selfie and then go back to being a toxic toilet fire to the people around them. But they wave the flag of some kind of brave mental health crusader. I just want to ask them, do you think your, quote, depression and anxiety might just be from all the coffee on an empty stomach and the cocaine? Maybe the Adderall you do without a prescription. My doctor never told me to snort it when I was taking it. From reading your book and thinking about how you overcame your fear of flying, I think you might agree that it takes a lot more work than just showing up to therapy and getting on the right medication. I love that people now are more vocal about mental health and speaking about their inner turmoil turmoil in a frank and open way. That's also a big reason I'm a huge fan of your comedy and your podcast. It doesn't have to be some secret sad thing, and maybe we can even laugh about it sometimes. But at the same time, it's so cringe to hear people say therapy is too expensive, but start their coke hangover stories with, as someone with anxiety. (laughs) Twitter is an absolute cesspool of this kind of behavior, but it happens all too often in the not much better real world. And then on the other side of the coin, there's the school of Joe Rogan, who is just like ADD isn't real. In my day, that was called being a kid. No dipshit. It's a serotonin reuptake issue. I digress. The real problem is that it costs so much to address your mental health, but there is so much to be done besides therapy when it comes to self-compassion and working on ourselves that not many people do. Being diagnosed as a beginning and a truth to work from, not a flag to wave when you talk down to people. It's not a mental, quote, Mercury is in retrograde card. I don't know where I'm going with this. It just feels disingenuous coming from people I know who self-diagnosed, and it really bothers me. But maybe I'm being an asshole. I mean, I know I am, but is it unfair of me? Am I gatekeeping my poor mental health? Anyway, have an awesome day and a happy birthday. Your birthday is the day after mine. I'll probably celebrate by going to the beach, kicking over little kids' sandcastles and saying, as someone with ADHD, thank you for your patience with my rambling, John. Well, John, you know, I don't think you're being an asshole. I just think you're being myopic in the sense that you're ranting about something that I'm not familiar with. So in other words, this thing may be big in your world, according to who you follow and who the algorithm has show up. I don't have any of this in my life. I, I know what you're saying. I, 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 of course, know that people self-diagnose all the time. Um, I'm not so sure that I have a problem with self-diagnosing. And I know that's not what you're saying either. You're saying they self-diagnose and then they just kind of leave it there. I can't afford therapy, but I have depression and anxiety. It's a get, get out of jail free card. I can just act like an asshole. And to be honest, I've done that. I mean, I didn't have social media at the time, but I sort of felt so helpless. Like, I can't control my reactions to things. Well, I have depression, anxiety. Everyone has to put up with it. And it's like, they don't actually, which is what sucks about it is that there can be consequences for being a dick. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't think you're an asshole. I think it is something that, you know, maybe you're deep down concerned that it gives everyone with depression and anxiety a bad name. You know, um, I think there's always a like, compassion to have for these people where it's like they probably don't know where else to go if they can't afford to get help or they choose to afford other things instead, like their big coffees or their Adderall prescription. I don't know. 
Um, but again, yeah, I mean, it's always frustrating when people claim ownership of a thing in a kind of commodified capitalist way and also think it's a free pass to make big mistakes that involve things that aren't actual mistakes or mental health breaks where somebody actually like goes psychotic and you really can't hold someone in a psychotic state responsible for their behavior, but people that are just making bad choices because they don't want to learn how to redirect difficult feelings. They don't want to learn meditation or whatever they need to do. Yeah, of course. I mean, of course. And I understand it was just an email to a podcast and you're just ranting, but I would say if it's really bothering you, um, when I find I'm really worked up about something that is like, I am actually angry. I can feel my blood boiling about a thing that exists, but it's not like directly in my life. It's not like in my home or in my place of work. I like to look at like, wait, why am I so mad about this? Because I always get some insight into myself. And it doesn't mean that there's no reason to have, it doesn't mean that your criticism of said thing goes by the wayside and that it was just you the whole time. It's it's both. It's like, we can go, oh, I hate that. But it's really not connected to our heart and our blood pressure. And then there's, okay, this is actually affecting me. So this means it's my issue somehow. This is triggering something else. And I have to find out what that something else is so I can work through it. And it's going to help you not just feel less intensely about the thing that's pissing you off. It's going to teach you something about something that's going on with you and you're going to solve it. And then the other thing can still exist as, oh, that is annoying, but it won't torture you so much. It gets right-sized. So I don't know. That's just my response to that. You weren't asking for advice. I'm just, I'm just conversating. Jen, reincarnation. Oh yeah, this is what I was going to say. So I don't know if you guys remember, why would you? You have a life, but about, well, it was October 2020. I'm mean, 2019, sorry, when I went to Amsterdam. And when I came back, I was like, okay, I way too much connected with being there. It felt like home. It felt like I'm supposed to live there. And I was like, are there any scientists out there who can tell me if like my meridians are only do well there? And and it's the same way in Australia too. Like whenever I go to Australia, I like everything just works. Like, but it was a different feeling than Australia. When I go to Australia, I can eat whatever I want. I don't gain weight. I walk around like I literally had a back injury that I was, I mean, an elbow in like a sh rotator cuff injury that a doctor told me I was going to have to have surgery on. I went to Australia by the time the plane landed, it was gone and I'd had it for months. Like I literally, Australia, just something happens to me where like everything goes right for me. Like I love the way my skin looks in Australia, my hair, like my weight drops by 10 pounds every time I go. Like it's just something weird happens where I'm like at my best in Australia. Um, but in terms of feeling like this is weird, I've been here before, uh, was Amsterdam. And with my like bizarre obsession with like the World War II and Nazis and like fighting Nazis, I'm like, I'm not here to say I was Anne Frank for the love of God. I'm not one of those people that I talked about with past life regressions or like I was um, Cleopatra. I wonder though if I was not something like someone who lived during the Holocaust in Amsterdam wasn't captured. I don't know. I don't know. Because it's just something is up. And I realized uh, talking about past lives recently, oh, that's how people with past lives feel about certain things. And maybe I had a past life where I'm Dutch because I, I long for Amsterdam. I, I need to move to the Netherlands. I hate it here in America. I 
hate the, the lifestyle in America. I absolutely hate it. It doesn't feel good to me. I love the lifestyle of the Netherlands. Oh, God, I, I literally can't think about it because it makes me too sad. So anyway, um, somebody wrote to me, Jen. So that was just my thought about that is I wonder if it's a past life thing, even though I just don't, I don't comprehend past lives. Not that I don't believe in them because it's not really like up for me to believe, but I just like don't think I've had one. But now I'm like, oh, wait. But that's how people, yeah, yeah, I just said it. Jen, so about reincarnation, I'd be curious for those people whose kids have memories to do generational research on both parents' sides, including all the siblings of each generation. Have you ever read It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin? Um, no, but I'm very familiar with generational trauma. It's something that I um, talk about in therapy and I'm just very obsessed with. Um, that's all I'll say about that. We carry the trauma of up to three generations back from our family lineage in our DNA. The book discusses the research that has been done. I think the ghosts are from our family and live inside us. I think we are reincarnating every time we have babies, but just through our DNA, which is creepy enough to me before you even add a mystical element. If we go with this research, it really means you're not your own. You're dealing with other people's trauma on top of your own. It weirded me out to think, but I once heard the womb described as a portal. This is why I think breaking generational trauma is so important. This isn't a spoiler, but if you read the book in the future, the research is based on mice. They would put out the scent of, I believe, cherry blossoms and then shock the mice. Up to three generations of mice later still became stressed when the smell of cherry blossom was uh, given to them without the shock. There are also many real life examples in the book. One of the most memorable is a woman in therapy wanting to commit suicide by throwing herself into the incinerator at her work. It was finally linked to the fact that two generations earlier, her family was incinerated at Auschwitz and her grandmother was the lone survivor of that atrocity. And once this link was discovered, the woman's desire to kill herself dissipated. She carried not only her grandmother's trauma, but the trauma of the entire generation that was incinerated. I personally think the ghosts are already inside. And maybe these children are remembering a real past life of a family member whose DNA is living in them. That's from Megan. I mean, I love the ghosts are coming from inside the house. That is just, to me, that makes a little more sense. You know, um... And I don't even know what I mean by that, but I can't articulate it. But in my head, I'm, I'm nodding going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Jen, past lives. Just listened to your podcast, birthday episode in which you discussed reincarnation. We have a family friend who was pregnant with twins when she miscarried. Years later, she had a son, and years after that, a second son. Years after that, the two sons are playing together, and the oldest says to the youngest, remember when mom was pregnant with us the first time and we were together? It changed her entire perception of life. Woo, that is cuckoo dooku. Um, I've never had a firsthand experience of kids recalling past lives, but I have a five-year-old and a nine-month-old and my ears are open. 
Love the pod. Love the comedy. Thanks for your work. Colin. Colin. I don't know. It might be too late for your five-year-old. I think he or she would have already been having those past life memories, but keep your eyes on the nine-month-old. Oh my God. If I had a kid, they would be so destroyed by my craziness. When they start talking, I'd be like, so anything you remember? What was your other mom like? They'd be like, what? I'd be like, your other mom, where you used to live? Where'd you come from? They'd be like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, what's your past life? I want to get on one of those reenactment shows. Come on. Just the mom screaming at her kid. She can't believe her kid didn't have a fucking past life. (laughs) That's me. All right. It's too many emails to go through. We'll we'll get to them on another episode. I think I've covered everything I want to talk about. If you want me to say anything more about anything, you can write to fucking Tyler, my assistant. Oh, man. I hope I get sillier. I hope I hope my silly comes back. I think it will. Uh, my silly is pretty on display on the Patreon. I'm sorry to keep saying it, but you know, some days I just turn on record when it's time to record the podcast and I'm just the state of the world is it's getting to me. I'm going to go do my gratitude list right now, guys. I'm going to go do my gratitude list. If you guys want to send me things from your gratitude, send me your gratitude list. I mean, you don't have to like send, but like write things you're grateful for. And I'll read it. And we'll have a great, we'll have a gratitude episode. I seem fun at gmail.com. Tyler will be sifting through your emails. (laughs) I love you guys. Thanks for being with me. I hope you love the podcast. Please give it a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Tweet about it and tag me at Jen Kirkman and at Jen Kirkman on Instagram. I no longer check the podcast Instagram or Twitter. So Tag me there and tell me what you liked about this week's episode. It really helps get the word out. And then I can retweet you and be like, this person listens. It's actually, my listenership has always gone up when I go on these kind of tweet benders where people are tweeting me stuff they loved about the episode. So do that. It really helps. And until next week, have fun.